0: to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the Trinitarian nature of God, as we pick up in Genesis chapter 1, verse 24. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: And God said, the moment God spoke, you have the Word of God. And in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him. Now you have God saying, let us make man. In our image, after our likeness, who was God talking to? God, after the counsel of His own will, in the triunity of the Godhead, which we in our feeble, finite minds cannot comprehend. But in that trinity of his nature, said, let us make man after our image. And thus he made man after his image a trinity of nature. So God is a superior trinity. Man made in the image of God is an inferior trinity the superior trinity being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the inferior trinity of man being body, soul, and spirit. After his likeness, the chief governing characteristic of God is his self-determination, his will, his ability to choose and to determine his own destiny or his own mind. Man being created in the image of God was created a self-determinant being. Being created after the image of God, God created me with the capacity to choose. I have the power of self-determination. I can choose what I want. I have that power, that capacity. I'm made in the image of God who is a self-determinant being. Now, if God created me with the capacity of choice, it would be totally meaningless unless he gave me a choice. What value would it be for me to have the capacity to choose if there was nothing to choose? Not only giving me the capacity of choice He also respects the choice that I make. Again, what value would it be for God to give me the freedom of choice, but then not respect the choice? I say, well, I want to do this. He's like, you can't do that. (laughs) Then that isn't free choice. He He does not respect my choice, and thus it isn't really the freedom of choice. So having given me the capacity of choice, making me in His image, He has to then offer me an alternative, give me a choice to make, but then He has to respect that choice that I have made. Part of the intricacy of self-determination, that image of God in which man was created. That is why when God created man, and He created the garden for man to dwell in, that He put in that garden a tree of knowledge of good and evil and said to man, don't eat that. Therein is the choice that man was given because having been created with the capacity of choice, it is no value unless there is something to choose. But again, in honoring and respecting my choice, if I choose that I don't want to know God, I don't want to serve God, I don't want to love God, then it would be manifestly wrong for him to force me to go to heaven where I would have to love Him and have to be with Him and have to serve Him. I don't want God in my life. I don't want God around me. I don't want God to leave me alone. All right, if He then doesn't leave me alone, He's not respecting my choice. What value is it for me to have a choice if He doesn't respect it? It is an awesome thing to realize that God does respect my choice. Now, He does seek to influence my choice because He loves me and He knows what is best for me. And knowing me and loving me and knowing what is best, He seeks to influence my choice and to direct my choice, but I always have the right to say, Bug off, God. I don't want to follow you. And He will not force His choice upon me because that would not be free choice. The chief emotional attribute of God is love. God making me in His image has made me with this beautiful capacity to love. I am capable of loving, of giving and receiving love. And to know the meaningfulness of giving and receiving love. Because I'm created in the image of God. And that's his chief emotional characteristic. Is to love. Now God is honored when I follow him. And I love as he loves. But I don't have to. Again, I have the choice. And I can choose to hate if I want but I have the capacity to love. So man was made in the image of God and in the likeness of God. Now, that does not necessarily mean a physical likeness of God. What God looks like, none of us know. God constantly refused that man should make any kind of a likeness of Him. Thus, as God appeared to man in the Old Testament. There was no form. So that man would not think of God in the terms of a form and try to carve out a form that would represent God. The likeness of God we see in Jesus Christ. The fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in Christ. Now, when God created our bodies... He created ears so that we could hear. Designed them so that they would pick up sound vibrations that would bounce or vibrate the little Inca uh, bones in there and send these vibrations into the brain that my brain would interpret as words and sounds and, and make it intelligible to me. So I think of my ears when I think of hearing. Now I know that God can hear, but it doesn't necessarily follow that God has ears. I need ears to hear, but God wouldn't necessarily need ears to hear. I make sounds by the use of the throat and the tongue and the teeth and and the roof of the mouth and so forth, I I form the sounds by the expelling of air and by the movement of all of these things in coordination so that the sounds come forth in, in a way that because we have agreed that particular sounds mean particular things, I'm able to communicate intelligibly to you through sounds that I can form in my mouth. I can speak to you. Now when God speaks he doesn't necessarily need a vo- uh, uh, all the vocal apparatus that I have a voice box a uh, larynx and a tongue and and all of this I have this little system in my eyes with the vitreous jelly on the backside that is taking these little pictures at the rate of about 18 per second and transmitting the vibrations on into the brain by which my eyes are interpreting the world around me and and making it understandable as the vibrations come into my brain and all of this unscrambling and interpretation as these these little flash vibrations are bounced in at 18 per second and I am able to recognize you and say, oh, yeah, there's and the color of clothes that you're wearing and the, you know, the whole thing, your eyes are picking it all up and sending all those messages into the brain. No wonder you get tired at the end of the day. <laughs> and thus, I know that God can see, but it doesn't follow that God has to have eyes to see. But because I relate seeing to eyes, And when I talk about God seeing, I would say, well, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the entire earth. But it doesn't necessarily follow that God has eyes because eyes aren't essential for seeing. So what does God look like? We don't know. He doesn't want you to know because we'd just be dumb enough to carve out of a little stick God and hang Him around our neck and... You know, we begin to think of God as a little piece of wood that's been carved out and is strung around my neck. He is certainly too vast, too infinite, to be confined to a form that could be copied and hung around your neck or worn around your wrist. The infinite God who created this universe and all the life forms within it remains unformed in our own minds. For God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, and God is seeking such to worship him. So the very first commandment that God gave was, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And then he said, Thou shalt not make unto thyself any graven image or any likeness of God to bow down and to worship it. He wants to remain totally formless in your mind. To this extent, I really don't care for pictures of Christ because there is an attempt to define him in a form. And we really don't know what he looked like. And if you're expecting to see him with a shoulder length hair and a beard, and all you may be you may not even recognize him. You may be, as Isaiah said, astonished when you see him. The recognizable part of Christ will be the prints of the nails in his hands and the print of the sword in his side. It is possible that he'll be the only handicapped person in heaven. We'll all be in our new bodies, perfected bodies. That will know no handicaps at all. Will know no weakness. No pain. No suffering. But he will still be bearing the marks of his cross. And thus may be the only. Malformed body. In heaven. So God making man in his own image. And after his own likeness. Is speaking of that spiritual nature. And those Capacities of God, self-determination, love, those capacities that He has given to me. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And so God placed the earth under man's control and authority. He made man the master over the earth, that he should be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth to subdue it and to have dominion over the other created beings of God. And God said behold I have given you every herb yielding seed which is upon the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed to you it shall be for meat it's your food and to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. So all of the animals at that point lived off of the grasses and vegetation. There were no carnivorous animals in the beginning. The world was living in harmony with God and thus in harmony with each other. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now the first three verses of chapter 2 belong with chapter 1. Thus were the heavens and the earth finished, and all of the host of them, which would include the angels, for the angels are called the host of heaven, and on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. It doesn't mean that God was now exhausted, <laughs> but it means that the creative works were completed. He rested just from his creation. He, he had created everything that uh, was needed at this point, and so that was the end of his creative acts. He, ceased his creative acts on the seventh day. All of the things were created or reformed within this six-day period. And so God rested from his creative acts, as it points out here. He rested from his creation all the work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day, and he set it apart. The word sanctified actually means to be set apart because that in it he had rested from all of his work which God had created and made. Now, what did he set the seventh day apart for? He set it apart for man's acknowledging of God. The seventh day was to be the day that we acknowledge God and give unto God, and we do it by resting. A day in which we acknowledge the Creator. It's set apart for the recognition of the Creator as he has so left such ample evidence of himself in his creation. Now, later on, as God calls a nation of people, a separate people to himself, we will find him giving them a law for the seventh day, a covenant between God and Israel forever. That on six days they are to do their labor, the seventh day they are to rest. Six years they are to plant their fields, the seventh year they are to let their fields rest. Six years they may go into slavery, the seventh year they are set free. And this pattern of six and one will be established by God throughout the history of His people and interwoven into their whole culture so we find everything is beautiful the world the universe has been created the world has been established now the environmental conditions have been placed here for man the trees the vegetables have been placed here for his food the atmosphere has been created to sustain his life the water systems are all there the animals, and now man, to rule over it. It's done. And God rested on the seventh day from His work of creation. Now as we get into chapter 2, we're going to find a recapitulation that will emphasize the creation of man. Because... Of this recapitulation we have now, because man is being emphasized, the name of God, not just being Elohim as it is in chapter 1, but now more personal because we are dealing with more the creation of man and we're being given details of the creation of man in chapter 2. And thus, because we are now relating God to man, we are coming into that mysterious name of God, Jehovah, Elohim. Jehovah meaning the becoming one as God relates to man and man's needs and he becomes to man whatever man may need. Now it has caused some of the critics of the Bible to see Genesis as not the work of one author but the work of many authors. And chapter 1 was written by the Elohistic Chapter 2 by the Jehovistic, and then you get into the priestly version of it, and so you have the EPJ or the JEP uh, concepts of of how many authors of Genesis, and somebody's even thrown in an I somewhere there. And uh, these stupid, foolish, nonsensical arguments... Which are of no value and of no profit to anybody. That's why I didn't even give into them. I don't intend to get into them. They are a waste of your time and my time. It isn't who wrote it, it was the Holy Spirit that inspired the writing. And rather than trying to figure out who wrote it, it's better to just find out what it says. And so we'll just go through finding out what it says and we'll leave the puny little intellects to all of their discussions and arguments that are without profit or value to us. What's important for us to know is what did God say? Not how did He say it or through whom did He say it, but what did He say? For all Scripture was given by inspiration of God. So the Holy Spirit basically is the author of all the Scripture and who He was inspiring is of no import to us.
0: We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us, but right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 1 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org.
1: May you be increased in knowledge and understanding of His Word and of His will and of His purposes for your life. May He work in your life in a very beautiful way. May your life be enriched in all things in Christ Jesus. And may the Lord and the blessings of the Lord be upon you while we are absent from each other until we are brought back together again to continue our fellowship, and are growing together in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California.
2: For those who like to read books electronically on their mobile devices, you can now download most of Pastor Chuck and Kay Smith's books to your Kindle reader or any mobile device, such as your cell phone. What a blessing to be able to have these resources with you at all times, especially when you're in a place to minister to another person. If you read ebooks, then you know the advantage of being able to search, find, and minister within seconds. And with all of Pastor Chuck and Kay's insights into biblical wisdom, this is a great opportunity to be able to gain from their books so you can share the good news with others. If you would like more information on how to download Pastor Chuck and Kay's ebooks, you can call the Word for Today customer service department at 1-800-272-9673. That's 1-800-272-9673. Or to download most of Pastor Chuck and Kay's ebooks online, visit the wordfortoday.org.
1: Again, that's the